A guy told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the greatest movie of all time coming around the corner. Today on the show, Heat. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Hot Rod, Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, the big heat, the the big heat Boski. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we are going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I am in the heat. You're in heat? Yes. Because of the movie we're doing today. It's actually really fucking cold out. <laughs> it is. It is. But we're in the uh, the last little uh, bit of freezing weather in the Northeast. So uh, hopefully we're looking forward to some actual heat, uh, some literal heat, as opposed to the heat referred to in our subject today. Uh, we are, of course, robbing some banks with the boys in heat. But let's take care of some business first. Last week, we had an episode on My Cousin Vinny with my brother Anthony, a rare comedy that we cover, and I really enjoyed that episode. And uh, we also released our our bonus episode where me and uh, fellow or uh, frequent guest Chris Bonapani previewed the Oscars, and I predicted every major Oscar correctly. So I'm just going to give myself a little Barry Horowitz. Everybody knows what you're talking about. Everyone everyone knows Barry Horowitz. Well, the people who know, they know. (laughs) I have not listened to the episode yet because I am really out of the, you know, I'm really out of it as far as the new movies I've seen. So I got to, I got to catch up on that. Well, check it out for some, so it's, it's more of like we, we predict the Oscars and we give some other recommendations as well. Uh, so if you're looking to catch up on what Chris and I thought was, were some of the best 2021 and what we didn't like so much, check it out. Um, Chris claims to have predicted uh, Will Smith. Uh, slapping Chris Rock, but I, I don't recall, although we did record it late <laughs> at night. Uh, but uh, yeah, check uh, check those episodes out. Check any of our library out. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Whatever app you use, subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. Uh, and of course, if you enjoyed anything or if you want us anything, any, wants to cover anything, if you have any ideas for episodes, let us know on social media. We're the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We are at great movie cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always, always shoot us an email at greatest movie pod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend, our old guy that is in our crew that definitely wouldn't shoot somebody for no reason Bruce Wayne would say tell your friends about us but now let's turn up the heat heat is a 1995 crime drama directed by the Michael Mann himself Uh, it stars Robert De Niro as Neil McCauley Al Pacino as Lieutenant Vincent Hanna 
Val Kilmer as Chris Shirills, and just a ton of other actors and actresses in, in, in a ton of other great roles who be here all day listening. Um, it made $187.4 million on a $60 million budget, so healthy little hit there. It's got an 8.3 on IMDb, an 87% in Rotten Tomatoes, and a 76% on Metacritic. Uh, Ebert, you liked it, three and a half out of four. Michael Mann's writing and direction elevate this material. It's not just an action picture. Kenneth Turan from the Los Angeles Times says Michael Mann and a superlative cast have taken a classic heist movie rife with familiar genre elements and turned it into a sleek, accomplished piece of work, meticulously controlled and completely involving. For a negative one, Janet Maslin from the New York Times says, as heat progresses, it's sensational, looks pale besides storytelling weaknesses that expose the film's more soulless aspects of this cat and mouse crime tale. So interesting, the, the evolution of this movie, right? We've, we've, we've had a couple of movies that started out and like they weren't hits. You know, you know, I'm I'm thinking of uh, It's a Wonderful Life or Shawshank or something like that. They were like minor hits or like not really popular, and then over time got this reputation. Right? Yeah. This one kind of started off. Everyone's like, "Yeah, it's good for the most part. Like it's, you know, it's it's good. It's a very good movie." And then like a few years go by, and it's like that's just a really good movie. And then, like, mm-hmm. 10 years passed, everyone's like, well, of course, it's, like, a masterpiece of the crime genre. Of course, like, we, it's never, never doubted it's one of the greatest crime. Like, that's just the way the reputation of this movie has, has evolved. It's very interesting to me. Uh, so, Derek, when did you first see Heat? Um, when did I first see Heat? I, I, I think it was one of those things, again, where, like, I was in my early 20s, and I went to Newbury Comics and just bought like 10 movies that I think I should see because I'm a big Al Pacino or Robert De Niro fan. And, you know, seeing those two guys in the front, and you're like, oh, crap, I got to watch this movie. And uh, I've seen it probably like six times. Um, And I think I liked it immediately. So I was just kind of enthralled with just knowing that, you know, Pacino and De Niro are in The Godfather Part 2. They don't share any scenes because it's two different timelines. And when do I get to see the two of them together and they get that first scene in this movie and you're like, this is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So even just the, even watching it again last night or the other night I watched it. And as soon as they're sitting down talking, it's like, this is just something strange. I can't explain it. It's yeah. they're just two people. They're just two people who happen to be actors, but Pacino and De Niro talking to each other was like, gave me chills. I don't know what it, I, I can't explain it. Well, did you know, that this is kind of a remake. Uh, yeah, I, I think I remember reading somewhere that Michael Mann like was like was like looking at something else, and he kind of did. Yeah, I mean, you obviously yeah. know more than I do. So he he basically he made a a, a made for TV movie called L.A. Takedown, which is the same plot, has some of the same scenes, but it's it's not. It, it doesn't. It really goes to show if you watch that the difference that all these incredible actors and you look at this cast list and almost top to bottom. It's like, Holy shit. I can't believe this cast was assembled in 1995. Um, Seriously. And, but you, you put like TV movie caliber actors from the eighties and you, you even have that same scene, the sit down scene in the restaurant in LA takedown. And it just clearly does not work. And it really just shows the magic Chino and De Niro have at this point. Um, yeah. 
now this this was a Rick's pick, and I I did want to to watch this movie because I think you know it, it really is one of like the, the true masterpieces of the crime genre uh, in 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 film, and it's different than some of the other crime epics that we've we've watched in, in a lot of ways, and we'll get to that. But uh, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about this movie. Are, are we are we just counting me down, or we have a song, or what's going on? We're going to do uh, Heat Wave by uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. See, I was thinking Heat of the Moment, but, you know, uh, no. count me down. There's a lot in here. I'm going to talk fast. Let's go. <clears throat> Three, two, one, go. Neil McCauley and his crew are the most professional bank robbers in L.A. A job goes awry when Wayne Grow, a new member, kills employees of the truck shipping money that they've robbed. This puts Vincent Hanna, an excellent cop, on the case. McCauley and Hanna live parallel lives, dealing with romantic trouble, family problems, and personal issues, except for both of them being so dedicated to their jobs, even if they're coming face-to-face and commiserating. Wayne Grow rats out McCauley after McCauley tries to kill him for his early decision, which ends with the scattering of McCauley's crew. McCauley kills Wayne Grow in revenge and eventually walks out on his girlfriend to escape Hanna. Hanna, having just witnessed the dissolution of his own marriage, kills McCauley and holds his hand as he passes away. Wow. I, I kind of, you know what I did? I, I, the, the, the song wouldn't play. So I just counted and I was like, one, <laughs> one Mississippi. <laughs> and then I, I, I just heard you going so fast. I'm like, I'm going to keep going slower. I want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so much that I couldn't fit in there. Like that, that just gives this movie life. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll certainly, oh, totally. we'll, we'll talk about it uh, a lot here. I'm sure. Uh, so let's go to as we do each week our three favorite scenes uh in the movie so what is your number three favorite scene derek uh this again we do this a lot this was tough i mean the, the movies we pick uh, we pick because they're our favorites again this movie is filled with great scenes but um if i was at the if i was nitpicking which i was my number three would go to the scene where hannah discovers his um i guess stepdaughter in the bathtub yeah. Um, and it's, it's a scene that kind of comes out of nowhere, especially when you're watching it for the first time, you're like, his stepdaughter, everything... by the way, played by a very young Natalie Portman, just to give you the, yep, idea of the caliber of this cast. Oh, of course. And it just comes out of nowhere and she's in a bathtub full of blood and, uh, and Hannah runs and it, Hannah meaning Al Pacino, uh, takes her to the hospital. And it's a really, it's a really emotional scene, especially like, you know, Hannah's seen so much in his life with the job that he does he's unbelievably stressed out he's just a guy who just lives on the edge you know as his wife says you know you live on the remains of dead people you know type thing and he comes home and he has to see this shit and and i love i love when he's like not you baby like not you like this this can't happen to you you know and um when he brings her there and stuff and then you know his wife is just so unbelievably you know just you know emotionally exhausted from the whole thing and it's like they were you know she just was almost cheating on him because they have no relationship and then they kind of get back together they're sitting there and she's like is there any hope for us and he's like like you said i live in the remains of dead people type thing and it's it's a really a a strong scene and it just you know there's a lot of movies out there that just kind of give you like he's a good guy yeah but he's got fucking problems and like i love that because and and you wonder so what i love about this scene like leading up to it Hannah has basically admitted defeat. He's like, yeah. Macaulay's in the wind. Like, we're, we're never going to find him. We're, he's, we're done. Yeah. And you see, I love the way he walks in and he walks across and you see the wet carpet. 
And you're like, what, what the yep. fuck is that? And you have to wonder if he was more present with his family. Yeah, you know, would he have seen the signs? Would he have been like, there's something right. weird with the kid. Like, I, I can't, you know, I can't handle it right now because I'm, I'm dealing with this huge case. Like, and obviously the, you know, his, his wife is, is, is dealing with her own issues. And it just, when you think he can't be brought any lower, you know, his marriage is, is done. His career, like he's taken a huge loss in his career. And like his line right before he gets in, he's like, I'm just going to go sleep for a hundred years. Um, yeah. I also like when he's in the hospital too. Like, of course, I know that detectives like him, they do need to know a lot of medical things. Right. And when he gets in there, he's like ordering everybody around. Like, I need this. I need you to get this. And I was yeah. like, that's kind of cool showing that Hannah's like much more than just a detective. Like he knows the yeah. business. But he, I think that also shows that he just like needs to be in control of his situation. Right. Yeah. Like he's definitely, he's so, and that's what I love about these two main characters is they're both so meticulous and they're both so exacting with everything when something's out of their control it just bugs them right and, and it, it's also strange that like um just the way he reacts to things he, he's so on the go he can't really turn around and go back to the past and say oh let me look at that he's just going forward all the time and like yeah. two moments of that is like when um ted levine's character dies he's not even mentioned again in the movie yeah and and then later at the other guy like the blondish guy gets like shot in the arm or whatever and he's in the phone with them and he's like, how you doing? And he's like, I'll live. And he's like, okay. And he just hangs up the phone. It's like, <laughs> there is nothing there whatsoever. Just, yeah. I just got to do my fucking job. It's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. And well, and to your point, we, to your point, Macaulay's the same exact way. That's it's the, exact it's the same thing. He has. And we're going to, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, I, I, would, I would assume the face off is on somewhere, somewhere on both of our lists. Um, For sure. We're, we're going to talk about that and those two characters interaction. My number three scene is their second interaction, uh, which is the the end scene, the final scene of the movie, where Macaulay lives up to his credo. You know, it, it comes to the point. So he, Macaulay's a very interesting character, I think, because there are two times in the movie where he does not live up to his own philosophy, which is you got to drop things and move on within 30 seconds, right? And one is when he goes and saves Val Kilmer. Yep. And, and he's very successful in that. That works for him. The second time is when he goes and he can't let go of Wayne Grow. Yep. He can't do it when he knows the heat. I mean, in one, like the heat is a- around the corner both times uh, in different ways. And the second time it comes back to bite him. Right. So... He has, I love that he goes, you see this scene where he's looking through the car window. So he goes and he kills Wayne Grow, which is, which is, which is a, like a, a fun scene where he like, yeah, he's just like, all right, yeah, fuck this guy. And like, just gets his revenge. And he goes and he's looking at Edie, uh, Amy Brennan's character, through the window of the car. And you see Hannah off in the distance, like running towards him and like dodging. And the, like, he's making this decision of like, can I be a real person? You know, can I, can I have this relationship? Right. He can't, he can't do it. 
ultimately he's so I, I think if I had to guess when this movie was being pitched, the pitch was something along the lines of what if the best cop was chasing the best bank robber? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's basically what the movie's about. And to be the best at anything, it has to consume you in some way yep. to be the very best. And he gives into those impulses. Does Macaulay in the scene. And he leaves what yep. could potentially be a very good thing uh, with Edie. And it leads to his death. And just these two characters looking at each other as, as Macaulay dies and right. kind of seeing each other, seeing themselves in each other. And, you know, if they had walked a different path, where would they be? I think it's a beautiful scene to end the movie. And it ends right there. There's no Dana Mont really. It's just like, he's dead and we're out. Right. And you just, yeah. you, just, you just sit with it. Yeah. So uh, what's your number two scene? This was tough to choose, but my number two goes with the uh, the first meeting between Hannah and mm-hmm. Macaulay. And I mean, like I said before, it is just a magical, magical scene. I like how, you know, when Pacino first walks over to the car, he's very Pacino-y. And I'm wondering if he made that choice of like, I'm going to be with De Niro for the first time on screen. And the way he's, the whole movie, he's kind of like brash and everything, but the way yeah. he says, follow me, he's like, follow me, like yeah. very Pacino-y. And I'm like, I wonder if that was on purpose. And De Niro's kind of very De Niro. we like, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's Pacino's, go. by the way, who I love, and I'm sure we'll talk about him shortly, is he, like, he's playing huge in this movie. He, like, he's... I feel like in, in the whole the whole 90s decade, he is just yeah. Al Pacino times 10. He, he is. He's like... He's big here, like, and, and it works in this movie. It doesn't work in every movie he does in that, in that era, but he, it absolutely does here. But yeah, I, I, I agree to go on. Right. Um, and, and just, I, I like the fact that, and again, this is a, such a likable scene because you're putting the good guy and the bad guy together and they're sitting down and they're just two people really at this point. And I love that Pacino's telling him about the dream about all the dead pe- the victims that he's seen and they just don't talk to him and stuff. And, they're just sitting there on this level of like, we're just two people who kind of have the same lives, but they're different. And um, I don't know. I can't really even explain it. It's just, it's just a scene where neither of them kind of one up the other one, but they're just, uh, I don't know. I can't even, you, maybe you can give me more, but I, yeah. I, I just can't even so, go into detail of how good I, I think the scene is. So th- this is, this is my number one scene. Oh, Michigan, my number two scene as well. Um, okay. Yeah. I figured. Yeah. So, the 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 there there there's one scene that in in all other movies because I was like I was watching this scene and I was like this reminds me of something and it hit me of course because there is a movie which has a ton of homages to this movie and we might be covering the future and that's the Dark Knight. Yep. This scene, the brother of this scene in the Dark Knight is the face-off between Batman and the Joker. Yep. Where the Joker verbalizes the connection between he and Batman, but also the connection between uh, Hannah and Macaulay. In that 
these guys, the reason why they connect with each other is like we said, they are the best at what they do. Nobody else can understand the sacrifices that they've made. And one happens to be a cop and one happens to be a criminal, but otherwise they're, they're two sides of the same coin. And the, you know, they, they do yeah. say it as well. And it's like at, at the end where they sort of leave it, where it's, you know, I, I can't do anything else and I don't want to do anything else. And they, they, they realize in each other that neither one's going to give. Yep. I, I absolutely love the dialogue in this scene too. Like, it's just very well crafted. Like, you know, just, you know, Pacino being like, if I got to put you down, like I'm, I won't like it. I won't like it. But if you're going to make some poor woman, a widow brother, you are going down. It's just like, Oh, you can't script a better line than that. And then like De Niro's like a little bit more brash and like, yeah. he's the bad guy. What if it goes yeah, yeah, we met face, we, we met face to face, but uh, I won't hesitate for a second. It's like, you know what? You're going to make that mistake. You know, I mean, is, is, is Edie more of the downfall to him than Wayne Grow, I wonder. Well, you know, because if Edie wasn't involved, the timeline would have been a little bit more skewed. Macaulay sure. may have gotten away, you know? Right. It's, it's, it's an interesting question. What is, because if he just, again, there's, there's no clear answers and for, for Macaulay, like is Edie what gets him? Is, you know, is, is Wangro what gets him? Is, you know, is, is there some other decision that he could have made differently, but you right. never know. And, and when you have, you know, the world's best cop against the world's best criminal, one mistake is all it takes for the other one to get the upper hand. Right. So, and, to, and it's funny because uh, Hannah doesn't hesitate for a second. When he gets that call or that page, he's out even when his wife is there and his daughter is yeah. in jeopardy and stuff. He's like, I got to fucking, I got to take care of this. You know? Right. Right. Um, so let's go to number one scene. What do you have for, uh, for number one? I mean, let's, let's, let's face it. This is the best, this is the best bank heist slash shootout yeah. I've ever seen in a yeah. movie, probably ever. Um, that shootout, man, is like just so unbelievably intense. Um, and there's a lot the of death sound, in the scene. The sound the, that yeah, the, the gunshots sound, make is like no other movie. Dude, I will tell you that my spe- my strip speaker that I have for my TV, like the volume's kind of messed up sometimes. Like when I watch a movie on like Netflix or Hulu, it's usually decent. Sometimes the volume is, I can put it up to like 15 and it's blasting. Yeah. Sometimes I have to put it up to 80 to hear it. I don't know what it is. So maybe my, it's my speaker, but I had heat the whole time around like 35. Yeah. When that shootout happened, I had to put it down to like nine. It's like <laughs> blew your hair back a bit. It blew yeah. my hair back. It was like unbelievable. And, uh, and like, the, just like, it's, it's, it's sad too. Cause there's a lot of deaths and there's a lot of characters that you like that go down. Like I mentioned Bosco, Ted Levine's character gets shot in the neck. Yeah. Um, by uh by i believe chris yeah um and then uh chris gets nick ha- chris is basically other than one scene he's like he's incapacitated for the rest of the movie pretty much um and yeah no i mean this is my number then, one scene as yeah. well so we'll just we'll just and, like go back and forth yeah on, but, free yeah. free for all yeah like like Sharito, he, he takes the, the, the little girl and he just turns around and hannah is just ready for him yeah you know, it's like, wow, it's just so well done. You're like, what happened? It goes to hell so quickly. 
and they're and, almost in the car. Like they're almost scot free. You know, like I wonder if. Do you think if Chris didn't start shooting, if he just got in the car, you think they would have been? They could have gotten out of there. No. So this. So this is a, like a super LA movie, and like logistically, like they they couldn't have. Like they had to shoot their way out. Like they had to scatter like to the wind, basically. Um, right. Yeah. It, it's man this scene is bonkers like it it goes so hard so quickly there's loss on both sides it's it's like a war it's like it's a war scene basically you know yeah um you know and you and i love the way it's sort of staged where you know they're ducking in between like in and out of cars uh you know there there's just chaos it's it's unbelievable and yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think this is, I, I can't think of too many scenes, you know, high scenes that even approach it. Yeah. And like, there, there, there's no like flaws in the scene either. Like there's no weird edits or nothing. It's just fucking crisp. Yeah. The whole thing. It's uh, it's pretty spectacular. And that, now thinking about this scene, if we were to talk about like all the scene, all of our number one scenes we've ever done, this has to be like in the top three most intense things I've ever seen on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you just see it coming like slowly. And it's like, Oh, this is going to go bad. And then it just, when it goes bad, it goes bad. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, what, what has anyone accomplished here? Like what, you know, ostensibly like the, the cops do win, right. they, yeah, they, they don't get away. Um, you know, a couple people escape, but like they get their man. But like, what is it for? You know, property, right. money. Like, what do they say? They're not killing. They're not killing Nazis. They're not killing evil people. They're you know, and, and they they go very well. Like, you know, De Niro very much is like, listen, we're not after your money. We're after the bank's money. It's insured. Yep. Who's taking a loss? An insurance company Who cares. Really, when, when right. it comes to it, is that worth the death of how many people on both sides? Right. It, yeah, if you put it that way, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. It's just fucking paper they're stealing, and like, it's incredible. And, and like, and let's not even overshadow the fact that uh, there's another, you know, uh, side side story that that gets kind of closed here, and that's that they 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 pick up this 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 guy who used to be their driver back yeah, in the day. Yeah, Dennis Haysbert. Like, yeah. Yeah, he gets like a decent job. Well, not a decent job, but kind of sucks. But he's trying to just live straight again. And uh, he gets killed and his girl sees it on the TV. And it's just like a really quick, like, fucked up moment. Yeah, the losses. Like this this senseless loss for shit, for stuff. He's the, uh, he's the, are you in good hands? Is that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the president of 24. He's the Allstate. Yeah. Yeah. Allstate guy. Yeah, I knew it. Okay. Uh, I think this might be the only movie I've ever seen him in, <laughs> except for that commercial. Yeah, he's, he ended up he ends up being more of a TV guy, but he's in, he's in a bunch of movies as well. Yeah. Um, so, what, would you have a least favorite part? You know what? I I really tried um, to figure out something, and I guess so. I'm I'm ask basically going to just ask you a question. Yeah. And I think I I kind of already know the answer, but it's going to basically make my worst thing, I guess. But do you think if there was another scene between Hannah and Macaulay? at some point before that happened, if there was like another moment between them, do you think it would have like hurt the movie or made it a little better? I think it, I I don't think it would have, it wouldn't have hurt the movie, but I don't think it would have made it any better. And the movie's long enough as it is. 
Right. I, I guess my worst thing, and again, it's not worse, it's just nitpicky, is that like you got Pacino and De Niro in a movie. I just want to see them with more dialogue together. But at the same yeah. time, I also don't want it to take away from what they're trying to do. Yeah. My, my thing is, it's again, super minor. And I know the act didn't want to do it, but but Ted Levine should have played Wayne Grove. Oh, that was one part of my miscellaneous. But do you yeah. think he should have, though? Because he just would have been Buffalo Bill again. I mean, the swastiker and like, I don't know. No, I don't. I, I think he would have he would have done something different. But it, like that's to have like. I think that the symbolism of like. You have De Niro and Pacino, like the the great like crime movie actors of all time. And just to be like, what's the one like serial killer, like the ultimate serial killer in movies is like the one that can get them off track. I think the symbolism yep. of that would work a lot better, but it's again, that's super minor. Um, and I, and I totally get why he Levine would not have wanted to, to play that character, but right. I, I think he, I think it, it would have been very cool to see him in that role. Yep. Um, so let's go to medals. Ugh. Who do you have for bronze? My, okay, my, my gold, silver, and bronze are a fucking mess. Okay. Uh, and I apologize that they're a mess. but So my bronze is the only easy one, and that was Michael Mann. Okay. Um, I, I think he just put together a great movie. I think that uh, he's going to go down on history as probably making the greatest heist movie of all time. That bank heist scene alone is just absolutely tremendous. And clearly, The Dark Knight takes a lot from it, especially in the beginning of the movie that, that heist. With the same, the same actor... Who's also in yeah, you know, Fickner, yeah. as well. Yep. So um, I just think he doesn't really miss here. I, I like the, especially this time around, I was watching the camera work and uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really, really good and everything. And, you know, I'm trying to pay attention to more of the, the subtle scenes and like even the ones with just like Jean Voigt talking to Robert De Niro very softly about things. I just like the dialogue and the way things are put together and scene by scene, everything just works great. So, he gets my bronze. Yeah. Uh, my bronze goes to Val Kilmer. Uh, I think he brings a very different energy than everyone else in the movie. And I think it, it works. It like, it's different, but it, it does flow with everybody else where, you know, one scene that we, we haven't talked about that in many other movies would have made my list is the scene where he and De Niro are talking and he's, you know, he's talking about Ashley Judd's character. And it's like, she just, the sun rises and sets with her. Yeah, and it's just these yep. two diametrically opposed philosophies, and that's what right. and that's what what causes you know that kind of catches um, that 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 catches De Niro uh, Macaulay off guard, I think, and makes him sort of reconsider his his own um, you know his own philosophies and, and changes how he acts throughout the rest of right. the movie. You know, he's he that seeing him. Seeing, uh, seeing Chris so in love, and you know Chris's philosophy pays off because at the end, actually, actually, Judge's character, um, I look up her name, uh, Charlene, uh, saves him. Yeah, you know he would have been. Does. Yeah, she saves him, and his his love and him hanging on to her in the way that he does. And and, and that, yeah. that would be another scene in another movie that might make my top three. Is I yeah. thought that was super great and emotional. Yeah. And his face is all fucked up because he lost the tissue and stuff. And, like, he cut his hair short. He's he got a new identity. And, like, she just makes that little motion of her finger. And he knows exactly what she's talking about. It's like, yeah. what a scene. What a scene. Right. And yeah, he has he has this great scene. And it's like, in in 
you know, almost any other movie, like he, he would be like, wow, like coming out of this, like he's the, and you know, he probably does kind of get Batman off of this. You know, it's right around the same time. Um, I think I it's the same year. Isn't same it? I think year? Batman okay. Forever is 95. So, yeah. Yeah. So this is like his, yeah, this is his year. This is the year of Kilmer basically. And you know, he, it's it's just it's just a great performance and you know unfortunately he's in there with like two super heavyweight performances so he doesn't get the credit right. that he might not he, you know may deserve um but here's your silver so my silver actually is val kilmer and tom sizemore together um i i you you everything you said about val kilmer is completely spot on he you're right he brings something else to this movie um he doesn't even have a lot of dialogue but he just brings something like you just want to watch him on screen Right. Um, I don't even know if like in like a parts of me are like, why does he have long hair? I mean, if he didn't, he'd probably like he's you're doing heists and stuff. You want to like not be recognizable. Right. You get this like ponytail po- poking out, but it just works for his character so well. And um, I also like you know, th- there's moments where they mention he's like a junkie and stuff, right. and you don't actually see it, but it's like like oh, that's like another part of his character that you don't see. But um, I love the fact that, like, he's the one who gets away. Um, it's very interesting. And I'll say Tom Sizemore. I haven't seen him in a lot of things. Um, but I, I, he's just a pleasure to watch in this movie. Like, I love all the scenes he's in. I love the way he acts. He, he's a fucking tough guy. I know he's had, like, a real tough life. Yeah. Um, he's, like, one of those Hollywood actors that, like, just couldn't stay out of trouble. But, like, there are moments where I just think he's such a powerful presence. Like, the scene where... They're in the diner and, 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 you know, Macaulay like bangs Wangro's head against the table and the guy behind them is looking like, what the hell was that? And, 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 yeah, and glares at him. Yeah. The way he looks is so menacing and like he does it with such flair. And, um, you know, he's, he's a really cool character. I love the fact that like he's the one that like that gets Hannah's attention because he hears the name Slick a couple of times and he's like, looks into it. That's the way he finds out about all this stuff is like the word Slick. I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. I was watching it with Gia and she watched a little bit of it. And I, I told her in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, remember that word slick. It comes into la- play later and, and not the way you think. Um, but I, I think the two of them are just like, they're not on the Pacino De Niro level, but they're just great like, side-ish characters that make yeah. this movie so much more colorful. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my silver goes to Michael Mann. Uh, echo a lot of what you said. Michael Mann loves to make movies about, people who know what they're doing completely. Like that's something that interests him a lot. So this is why he is the ultimate Michael Mann movie because he gets to tell the story about the perfect Michael Mann characters and film it in the perfect Michael Mann way. And nobody else could have made this movie like he did. Um, You know, we've, we've talked, there's a few movies that we've talked about that the director puts his stamp on it in such a clear way. And, and this is, this is one of those times. And, you know, I, I, I just, I just feel like it's incredible, just absolutely incredible job that he does. Uh, but yeah. I'm sure I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just saying, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no. So Michael Mann, silver medal. So I probably can predict what your gold is unless you're throwing a curveball, but who do you have for gold? Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. I mean, it's... Ah, yes. Me and Bobby. (laughs) Gold medal winners. Uh, They're, uh, you know, 
it's just something special on screen. I, I think I'm actually going to jump over to something else. And that is that when Al Pacino or Robert De Niro enter a movie, the movie changes. Yeah. It's just something about them. And I'll, I'll, Pacino is one of those people for sure. But there's a movie in particular. And my dad always says it too. We talk about De Niro. And he, I remember he was like, remember the movie Backdraft? And I was like, yeah. He's like, remember how like 40 minutes into the movie, Robert De Niro appears and the movie just fucking changes. And I was yeah. like, yes. That's just what they do, you know, and, you know, and, and of course, me and you had to have the, the difficult thing of recasting these guys and like, who yeah. do you fill in their shoes? It's like impossible. Um, but I mean, you and I were just ultimate fans, obviously, of the both of them. And right. I, I could go on forever, but it's, it's obvious. I mean, what do I have to say? <laughs> yeah, same, same, same here. Happy 50th anniversary to the Godfather. That uh, Supposed to have a nice moment at the Oscars last week, but uh Something uh, something happened right before it that got everybody's attention. Um, which, you know, honestly, let's take a sidebar here. Let's take an Oscar sidebar. Uh, it, in some ways, the slap for the for the Oscars was like one of the great moments for them. Not only because people were talking about the Oscars, but because right after that, they did a tribute video to The Godfather, which was fucking Puff Daddy music. P Diddy, whatever he's calling himself right now. And like, it was terrible, but nobody was paying attention to it. Right. Uh, but yeah, De Niro and Pacino. Uh, yeah, these guys, there's, you just, anybody else, almost anybody else in either of these roles would have been absolutely outclassed by the other one. Yep. But you get, you know, two of the greatest working actors at that time and you just put them together. And it's magic. It, it's there's an alchemy here that doesn't work. Like go back and watch LA Takedown if you can find it. Just two other random actors saying a lot of the same lines and a lot of the same situations, and it doesn't work. That shows you what what these guys can and, do. And Rick, I think I'm gonna say this. I mean, people might not believe me, but I think I've come close, close to matching Pacino De Niro for this movie. Okay. Um, Let's go to recasting on, on that note. So I've got eight characters. I've got Macaulay. I've got Hannah. I've got Chris, Charlene, Edie, Justine, who is Hannah's wife, Wayne Grow, and I have Bosco. Okay, so the only one that I don't have is... Okay, so I have... Did you say you have Nate? Nate no, I, no. Nate. Who's, okay, who's, so I have... Remind me who Nate so, is. Um, that's John Voigt. Okay, I do not have I do not have that character. So I, I have I have Hannah McCauley, Chris, Sharito, Wangro, Justine, Edie, and Nate. So I have uh, I have Charlene and Bosco different from you. Okay. So let's let me get my I'll get my two out of the way first. So okay. for Bosco, who is Ted Levine's character, um, I have. Uh, a guy who's probably primarily known, I guess, for playing a villain, but has a ton of range and is just great. And this is kind of a stand-in for like all kind of the secondary characters, the caliber of actor I'd be going for. Uh, John Bernthal. Okay, yeah. Sounds good. And I think the other one was Charlene that I had different than you, who is yep. Ashley Judd's character. Uh, Ava Green. I wanted somebody who... Uh, would you? I, I want somebody that you can look into 
to Chris's eyes and be like, okay, I get it. This guy yeah. is so in love with this woman. And I totally right. understand it. Yep. So the other two that you, so you had Chirito and there was somebody else, I think I didn't have. Uh, yep. I have Nate. I have Nate as Nate, well. Yeah, okay. Okay. Who do you got? Uh, for Nate, I actually have um, um, Michael Shannon. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely. Michael Shannon, uh, especially after just recently watching Knives Out. Um, I love yeah. that Michael Shannon's character is kind of whacked out, but he's also, he has a lot of like quiet moments that I like that he does. He's just a very subtle actor too. Um, and I just pictured him being kind of like the guy in charge, but he's kind of a subtle guy. I don't know. I just kept seeing his face. And I think I did what you did is like, there's just some actors that you just want to use. Yeah, no, this, and this, I, I was going through here and I was just like, I'm just going to throw a bunch of actors that I like, like there's just like, right. just power, just po- overpower the cast. Yeah, 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 definitely. So that was that one. And then I also did Sharito and I went with, um, I went with Carl Urban for Sharito. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't used him really and I really like him as an actor and I feel like he's one of those guys where if you were to just like show his face in a bunch of movies you'd be like wait a minute that's all the same guy he likes to reinvent himself I mean you think about Lord of the Rings you think of him playing Bones in Star Trek and then you think of him in like that new that superhero show that he's in the boys or whatever like he just right. keeps reinventing himself so it's um, I just really wanted to see him so yeah okay let's go to Wayne Grow. Let's start with Wayne Grow here. Uh, again, just my philosophy is just like take a great actor that I really enjoy who can play like a, a creepy fucker, and that's uh, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> you know, there was an article I read the other day, and it was like Jesse Plemons is like the great, like like the greatest actor you don't know. And I was like, whoa, that's a pretty cool article. Like, yeah. Everybody like really like doesn't know him but he's really good he's talented i i read an article re- or something online recently i forget it was an article or just a comment somewhere that it was like jesse clemens has basically stepped into philip seymour hoffman's spot in hollywood where he's just like that like the excellent like kind of heavier actor that it's just like put him in there he's fucking excellent and everything awesome uh so who do you have for wayne Grow? So I went with an actor um, who we both love. His name is Ted Levine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I went with actually, I wanted a wacky, wack, I wanted a wacky Wayne Grow who just does a lot of crazy shit. And I picked up Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Um, I the think twitchy that aspect that, of Wayne Grow's character. Twitchy, he could yeah. just be that, that just that nail in see, Macaulay's shoe, you know? See, I, yeah, I went more like he's unsettling, but you went more like, oh, he's fucking twitchy fucker. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more picturing him, like, in, like, you know, um, fucking, uh, God, I can think of the movie all of a sudden. The one with, um, the one he's in where he's nuts, he's in jail. Green Mile? The Green Mile. Yeah. The Green Mile, yeah. I'm thinking, like, him, like, longish hair, kind of blackish teeth, and he's just a scumbag. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, he's he's just aiming his gun, he's like, motherfucker. Like, I can yeah. just picture him just, like, shooting cops for no reason. Yeah. Um, so... Let's go with Justine, who is... Did you have a Justine, Hannah's wife? I do. I do have a Justine, okay. yeah. All right, who do you got? I went with Julianne Moore. Uh, I think that she could bring something to the role. And not that the actress played her who didn't. I think she did a great job, actually. Yeah. She's, uh, again, another actress who's in the Michael Mann movies that I've noticed. But, like, she 
she's an unknown who I don't really know, but I think she's so good in what she does. Yeah. Um, but Julianne Moore, I think that I, I kind of just pictured her, especially with the actor that I chose for Hannah. So that's kind of why I went with her. But I, I had some trouble at first, but then she kind of came to my brain and I was like, I want to use her. So, yeah. So the thing about Justine is that she's, she's very reserved for a lot of the movie. She kind of portrayed it as like a bit of an ice queen for some of it. And that's kind of what I leaned into here. Uh, so I went with Rosamund Pike. Okay. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think cool. I did. My first thought was like Lena Headey, maybe same type kind of, but oh, I, think, yeah, I could see that too. Yeah. But I think, I think I settled on Rosamund Pike because she's excellent. And I think she's, she can definitely bring the, a, a lot of the aspects that I see in that character to, uh, to the front here. So let's go next with Edie, who is uh, Robert De Niro's uh, Macaulay's love interest played by Amy Brenneman yeah. in, the, in, the, in the movie. So do you, who do you have? And Amy Brenneman's an interesting character. Cause like she's not, and again, I'm not talking about negatively about her, but she's not like that classic, beautiful yes. person. And that's kind of what I went the actress I went with. I kind of went with a, a very like similar type. And that was kind of like Maggie Gyllenhaal where like she is mm-hmm. attractive, but like not the attractive you sometimes might think about. And I just yeah. thought that like she would be able to play that like very out of touch graphic designer who has nothing to do with any of these people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's the direction I went in. Yeah. So my, my thought was like the, the outsider in, in Los Angeles, like that's the important part of uh of this character and uh i went with an actress that's that i like a lot and is in one of my favorite movies that we have covered uh on the show and that is kate winslet for you nice i think she's uh she would be excellent in the role she's excellent in everything uh yeah right. she surely is so let's go chris all right, I will give you a hint. Um, yep. His name is my actor that I picked is actually a Chris. Okay, who do you have? Uh, I I went with Chris Evans. All right. Uh, yeah, I want Chris. Can remind Evans who? Have... So, did you have a Charlene or no? No, she didn't. I, did, I actually didn't. Okay. I didn't do a Charlene yeah. for this, but now that I'm, I could probably definitely do one. Yeah. But um, I I just pictured Chris Evans um, in this role, kind of a more of a quiet type character, a little menacing. Again, just watched Knives Out, so he's fresh in my mind as a kind of a dickhead. Um, and he plays, he plays both so well. I mean, we love him as Captain America and and I love him as like the sleazy asshole guy too. And I just thought that, uh, I'd love to see him in a movie where he plays like, you know, he's kind of, he's, he's a bad dude, but he's kind of a badass too. And so I kind of went with him here. Yeah. Um, again, this is, this is a guy who my, my Chris is a guy that we've, we've talked about a lot in this show in this segment. Uh, and that's Adam Driver. You know, it's funny. I actually thought of Adam Driver for um, Charito. Yeah. I could, uh, yeah. I, I could see that. Yeah. But yeah, Chris, because just like he, Adam Driver would bring like a weird energy as he, as he does to everything. He brings this very unique yeah. thing. Right? right. And I can, yep. I can just see, you know, my Charlene Evergreen, him just being like, you know, talking to my, uh, to my colleague and be like, she, he's just, she just does it for me. Like she's just, she's everything to me. Right. Yep. And, and just being like, okay, I get it. Like I could see Adam driver saying that with such sh- like sureness that, yeah, he, no, I get you know, that, 
you know, that anyone look at him and go, okay, I get that. All right, here are the, here are the big two. I was going to say, why don't, how do you want to do this? Like, let's do I kind of want to see my both together. Let's, yeah, let's do them both together because the dynamic between the two is so strong. So who do you, who do you have? All right, so I will list my Hannah first and then my Macaulay right okay. in a row. All right, I did my best to match De Niro, Pacino, maybe of yeah. our generation. I went with my Hannah and Macaulay are DiCaprio and Edward Norton. Okay. I I think can... I I think the I think DiCaprio is like, you know, I think he's I don't know. I think his energy in a movie being the lead is like you're gonna probably like this movie if DiCaprio is the main character. Yeah. Um I, I just see him as this guy, I see him running a team just like that, and I'm going to my I'm thinking to myself, who has the power um to be an asshole villain? And I've seen I mean, of course, Edward Norton in American History yeah. X. Um he's just so and it's some of the ways De Niro moves his head. I feel like Norton starts to do that in some movies. Yeah. It kind of has that like, so I was like, who, who better than DiCaprio and Norton to go face to face? I kind of, and I'm pic- I'm picturing Norton too, like having that goatee, yeah. having that kind of hair slicked back, like badass look. So, so here's, here's the thing, right. With my, with my casting, I have six names written down. Uh, <laughs> right. And I was like, I'm like debating it like right up into this, until this moment. Um, Ed Norton is one of the names I've written down, and I feel that five of these six names can play either character. I have Ed okay. Norton down for Macaulay, uh, but yeah. I, I'm not going to pick him. All right. Okay. Um, I have Christian Bale written down for Hannah potentially, but okay. I don't. But I don't. I, I'm not going to pick him. Okay. Um, if we were doing this five years from now, five to ten years from now. Hannah would be Jake Gyllenhaal and Macaulay would be Joaquin Phoenix. But I think they're a little, okay. I think Jake Gyllenhaal in particular is like a little bit too young. Yep. Okay. Right. I landed on. Can we, can we, can we, can we, can we just stop and talk about yeah. how we actually like, we use Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. I think he's just that actor that like people forget about like yeah. how versatile he is and how he, how versatile he can be. Yeah. Now he's he's actually I, just, I recently watched Prisoners. He's excellent in that. Um, you know, I think of Nightcrawler. Uh he's he's phenomenal in that. Donnie Darko, of course. Uh he's he's great in everything. Yeah, um, and, and he, he replaced my my he was my Michael Colleone, so like this is the second yeah. time he may have replaced Al Pacino in yeah. a movie. Uh so here's there's two actors that I feel like could play either role. Um, but here's what I'm going with Hannah guy who can, hmm, all right, which, who am I going with here? Okay. So <laughs> Hannah, I'm going to go Vigo Mortensen. All right. I thought of him too. Yep. I think he could play either role easily, but I yeah. think, yeah, I, th- I think, I think he works better as Hannah Macaulay. Here's my, here's my thought with Macaulay. Um, a, an actor with the confidence that can go up to my Chris Adam Driver and be like, "I'm in, I'm in control of the situation." Yep. Denzel Washington, the guy I use a lot. I I actually thought of him too, yeah. and you know what's funny? I didn't think of him when I was recasting, but right before you said it, I said to myself, "Is Denzel Washington too old to play Macaulay?" That is so weird. I don't I don't think he is because he's he's he. 
I mean, you could you could make him up to look younger. I feel like he's both characters. The, the great thing about these characters is I feel like either of them could be like ages 40 to 60 and it could work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, 60 is a weird age because you can look really fucking old at 60 yeah. and you can also look like you're 40 when you're 60. So, yeah. And I just feel like the energy of Vigo and Denzel in that scene, that would, that would be cool. And maybe it's take, well, we, we, we should take this one to the polls and see, because I want to see what people think that they think uh, Vigo and, and Washington are DiCaprio and Norton. I think that they're, they're both good choices. Yeah. I th- yeah. This, I mean, it's, it's just, I looked at, I think, you know what? I was looking at it and my first thought was like, what two actors do I want to see act against each other? And that's kind of how I, yeah. I, I, I got there and my first thought was like Jake Gyllenhaal and Joaquin Phoenix. Like those my two like five years from now. I was like, yep. Jake Gyllenhaal is like a little bit too young for Hannah. I, I was even thinking like 10 years ago, like Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> like I yes. wanted to get him in there somehow. That was, a, you know? that was a thought that I had as well. You know, like could, could he do it? But it's like, that. it's almost like cheating to use him, I feel like. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis is is if you use him, you're cheating in this in this podcast. It's almost like it's just like it's like what what role can he play? Any role. It's it's like using Daniel Day Lewis is like playing a wrestling video game and just having your finisher on infinite. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and I was like, I I actually thought of like like doing a, like a joke and doing like a whole build up and being like, you know. I thought like two guys that I just want to see act against each other and like would be incredible. And that of course is the rock and stone cold Steve Austin. To play. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what? I, I wouldn't oppose it. I'd like to see it. <laughs> I mean, obviously the, 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 I mean, I don't know who's the, it was stone cold Macaulay. Oh yeah. Austin's Macaulay. Austin's absolutely Macaulay in this situation. Did you picture a stone cold lying there to hold the hands of the I told you I was never going back. <laughs> See the, <laughs> the rock being like, she's got a great ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, he's just like a fucking monster just being like, I'm on my third marriage. <laughs> Falling apart. Oh, man. So yeah, that was good recasting. That was it's, uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of meat on bone here with this movie. A lot to, a lot to yeah, talk about. A lot of sure. great ways to, to, to recast here. So um, do you have anything um, for miscellaneous? Honestly, my two miscellaneouses were going to be Ted Levine was supposed to play Wayne Grow and Pacino completely ad-libbed. Uh, she's got a great ass scene. And <laughs> Hank Azaria's reaction was legitimate. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, the fact that Hank Azaria is just in this movie. In like a in like a relatively minor role, it just goes to show how like the depth the depth chart of this movie. Danny Trejo as Trejo, Danny Trejo, Henry Rollins, like what Henry, what yeah. is, what Great. what's happening? Like the uh, what what is the budget? I wonder just for the casting. I wonder. I think this is a situation where it's just like, hey, it's me, Michael Mann. Do you want to be in a movie I'm directing with the Nero and Pacino in it? And everyone's like, absolutely. Why wouldn't I? What kind of what, career West, move would it be to say yeah. no at this point? Wes Studi. I mean, not he's oh, like a household name, but he's, oh no, he's, he's a great character everything. actor. Yeah, yeah. All right. Wow. So, uh, what are you eating with this movie? I mean, there's really not a lot of food being eaten in this movie. Where, whatever you're eating it, you're eating it at a diner. Yeah, I guess it has to be a diner. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe some pie because Wayne Girl offers some pie to yeah. them. Diner food, some pie, a patty melt. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, 
the other driver, like the Allstate guy, who's like the he's yeah, I'm a great grill man. Maybe some yeah. maybe some grilled, maybe like maybe an omelet and some sausage links. <laughs> Absolutely. All By right. the way, I, I I bought a package of Johnsonville sausages the other day, and they were all raw, and I just cooked them up, and I was like, this is going to be delicious. They were like maple sausages. Yeah. And they were just okay. I just wanted to announce that they sure. were just oh, okay. okay. All right, fair enough. All right, so let's uh, let's go to the Oscars this year. Um, so this is the year. I don't think Heat really gets doesn't get any major nominations. Does he get any nominations at all? This is something that I feel like if we, if we could go back and redo the Oscars, Heat would be. I mean, what we do? Let's let's talk about it. So, best picture. This is a year we've talked about twice before. Braveheart wins. Sure. Um, Apollo thirteen. Babe. The Postman. Sense and Sensibility. Now we have replaced two of these movies. We replaced The Postman and Sense and Sensibility. Sense and Sensibility with Seven and Casino. Hmm. This is the time where I have to replace Babe. I love Babe. All right. I love it, but I can't look you in the eye and tell you Babe is a better movie than 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 he. I just can't. Do I'm it. sorry, Rick. I'm just going to have to veto that. I, I'm yeah. finally coming around. I coming around to Babe? Old... <laughs> Apollo 13, get the fuck out of here. So here's... No, no, no. I totally, totally hate. <laughs> okay. So let's look at the Best Picture nominees that we have for this year. And let's decide... What is the winner? Braveheart, Apollo 13, Heat, Seven, and Casino. Ouch. What a fucking lineup. That is one fucking hell of a lineup. Uh, I don't know, man. Do you, do you have a favorite here? Because I'm having those a are, hard those time. Are, those are five heavy hitters. And what a what a what a year for De Niro too. Yeah, I th- man. I think... I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm probably gonna say no to Apollo 13 and no to Braveheart personally. I like Braveheart a lot. I, I think... do too, but and I like Seven a lot. But I I I think for me it's between. I think it's probably between Heat and Braveheart for me. Okay. And those are two, there's such two, two different, more different movies you could not find. Right, right. Uh, you know, it, great, it's really it, difficult. It's it's very difficult. I, I mean, this could be recency bias because I just watched it, but I, I feel like it's heat. I, I, it just man. might be heat because overall looking at heat, it's, it feels like almost a perfect movie too. Yeah. There's, there's not you know, a lot of just... weaknesses. And Braveheart does have some like... Some 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 more issues. I think Braveheart right. Braveheart might hit the higher highs, honestly, but I don't know. I think Heat's more consistent, and it, it's excellent. yeah, it's very yeah. Braveheart too. hits on like the yeah. Braveheart hits on like the emotional level probably better than Heat, but yeah. Um, it's like you choose between your head and your heart. I feel like with with, with these movies. Yep, yep. But it's tough. We'll, so we'll leave it up to you. This is, I mean, this is a, this is a hell of a year for yeah. uh, for movies. Um. So director, uh, Mel Gibson wins for Braveheart. Uh, Chris Noonan wins for, or is nominated for uh, Babe. Tim Robinson, Dead Man Walking. Mike Figgis in Leaving Las Vegas. 
and Michael Radford for the Postman. We did replace Chris Noonan and Michael Radford with David Fincher for seven and, uh, and, and Scorsese for, uh, for Casino. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I'm kind of surprised Michael Mann's not in there. I think this is this is another one. If you had, if you had done the, the Oscars, if you do the Oscars today, he's definitely in there. You know, I think probably over over Tim Robbins, I would say. Um, yeah, it, it it just that's that's where I, that's where I you know, of the people we have left in here, that's where I, who I take out. Okay. Uh, best actor. Okay, so here's. Here's my philosophy on best actor. In every category. There, so 99.999 repeating percent of the time. One person per movie per category. Unless there is such a special case that it's undeniable that you have to, you have to, have to put two people in. And this is one of those cases. So let's, let's go through here. So Nick Cage wins for, for leaving Las Vegas. Richard Dreyfuss is nominated for Mr. Holland's Opus. Anthony Hopkins and Nixon, Sean Penn in Dead Man Walking and Massimo Treasy uh, for the Postman. Um, now I do believe we took out Massimo Terizi for De Niro in Casino. Okay. The question becomes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it here because he's only getting one nomination: De Niro in Casino or De Niro in Heat. Oh man, that is freaking hard. Um... Man, I, do you have a, do you have a clear? I guess if I had to choose, I would say I would say Heat. What do you think? Hmm. It's close. It's close. It's t- it's tough. It's tough. I think I say Heat as well. Okay, probably by like a feather for me. But yeah, by by a hair. Um. Now. Pacino's got to be in. He just he just yeah. does. Who do we take out? So who else we got? We got Cage. We got, uh, we got Cage, Dreyfus, Hopkins, Penn. Oh my god, jeez! I haven't seen Dead Man Walking, and I've always wanted to. So that's going to be one that I see soon. I uh, haven't seen uh, Hopkins in that movie either, um, and I haven't seen Nick Cage honestly in Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, I will say, just based on my dislike for this actor, um, just personally, even though I haven't seen it, I'm going to go with Nick Cage. Well, you know what? Get ready for the Cage-assance, because Cage is, is getting re- We're getting ready to have a ton more Cage performances. That they're going to change your mind. It's going to get weird. It's going to get great. I would say, oh, this is tough. This is tough, but... Hopkins. All right. I think yeah, that for me. Um, 
best actress. I I think all the all the female characters for the most part in this would be in supporting. Yeah, I agree. Um, supporting actor Val Kilmer or I mean I like him in this role but is it enough is it enough I don't know well let's go over the it nominees also, it, well, yeah, you know, let's go nominees. so it's won by Kevin Spacey and the usual suspects the guy sucks but you know it's it's undeniable that performance uh, yeah, James exactly Cromwell and, what's that I said his acting doesn't his suck. His acting does not suck, yeah. Uh, James Cromwell and Babe and Harris in Apollo 13, Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys, Tim Roth in Rob Roy. Now, if we, I don't remember exactly, but we must have had Joe Pesci in Casino in here, right? I would say so, but I can't remember who we replaced. I we can't. suggested this movie too. I know. Yeah, let's say um, let's say let's say James Cromwell because I, I feel like that's who we replaced. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably who we replaced. Yeah. Yeah. So, I am honestly fine not having yeah. Malcolm be nominated. Yeah, I like he's, his re- he's really good, but this is but... A, this is a great category. Yeah. Uh, supporting actress. I liked all the performances, but nothing was like. Whoa! Nothing blow away. Yeah. If you had to pick one, if I had to pick one, honestly, it would probably be the actress who played Justine. Yeah, she's she's very good. I, I, I can get. She's very that. good. And um, she, I mean, she's sitting there with Al Pacino, and she she's going head to head with them. I feel like in a yeah. lot of scenes. So, plus she plus her Al Pacino's saliva is now in her body from 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 kissing him. <laughs> so she's she's got to be like <sighs> a better person now. You get to kiss Pacino. Yep. Did you know that me and Beverly D'Angelo <laughs> have twin children together? Can we can we talk about how Beverly D'Angelo got the Pacino dick? Can we just talk she, about that for a second? She got the Pacini. <laughs> the Pacini. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, moment in time where Al Pacino and Beverly D'Angelo had sex, and <laughs> I wasn't there for it, and I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty upset by that. <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah i think i think this is a pretty strong category but okay so yeah that's uh that has been our episode well actually no it's not because we haven't got to the most important part of the show and that is when derek we put 30 seconds on the clock and you tell us why heat is the greatest movie of all time are you ready let's do it three two one go the the movie Heat, nineteen ninety five, Michael Mann. Let 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 let's just let's just cut out the bullshit, and let's just talk about Al Pacino and Robert De Niro being in the same movie and in the same scenes together. There's nothing else we could even talk about. There's a lot more we could talk about, but Pacino and De Niro. That's all you need for a mid nineties fucking classic. Heat's the greatest movie ever. All right, twenty eight seconds. Excellent job, as usual, Derek. Uh, so that's been our episode on Heat. Uh, I'm very interested to see where this is going to place in our season finale. Can't wait to get to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction and say that both of us are going to have it uh, relatively high in our list. That's just, yeah, that's just I, would, a, I would say so. I would say so. Um, I'm interested to see where everyone else, our, our our greatest movie of all time, Academy ranks it though. So let's uh, let's talk about what we have coming up here. Because it is going to be April. 
believe it or not, spring is about to spring. May have may have sprung already. That's true. That's true. And uh, we're starting April. We're, we're doing through April with Superhero Month. And that we're going to begin with Batman Begins. Talk about, you know, some uh, some Michael Mann influence. Um, then we're going, we're going to welcome Michelle Forziati back uh, to the show with Iron Man, the beginning of the MCU. A blessing or a curse, depending on who you ask in the film industry. Yep. Then we're going back to 1978. The first big budget superhero movie, I would say. Superman with Christopher Reeve. And then we're uh, continuing an MCU journey. And we're rounding out the month of April with Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, man. Huge month. Huge month. And then May. Make your predictions now. What sequels are we doing in May? That is sequel month. I'll give you a hint. They're all good. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I never mind. I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fun episode to do, though, because yeah. it, it, it is it is the awkward, like, redheaded stepchild of the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So get your uh, get your predictions in. Tell us what you thought about this episode. Go on our social media. Talk to us. Let us know. Can't wait. Also, Rick, can we just talk about how the movie we were just talking about, that movie and the movie right before it does have the same actor in both of those movies. Do you know which actor I'm talking about? Which, the, which ones are you talking about? So our, our April 28th movie and our May 6th movie have the same actor in both. Same actor? Yes, yeah. yes, I do. I do know. Okay, cool. I just in, thought in of one he is a voice, and one he is a live action character who yep. becomes a Turns voice into in the sequel to that movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. So let's uh, let's look forward to that. I can't wait to watch these movies. Go back and watch all these movies. Uh, Derek, what do you have coming up on the greatest album of all time podcast? Uh, due to um, a very untimely death from a very, very popular band, um, Taylor Hawkins of Foo Fighters. G and I decided to do a Foo Fighters album. Um, I think we decided which one we were going to do. Um, and that is uh, that is their 2007 album. Um, it's actually my favorite of theirs. Um, Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Um, my favorite Foo Fighters album, and Gia agreed. So we're going to do that album. So we're excited. And it's kind of a dedication to Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace. Tough loss. Um, you know, see your, see your heroes when you can, because you don't know, you just don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, hate to end this episode on a down note, but uh, just want to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, I have been your co-host Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host Derek Reck, the big deck Boski. Keep watching everyone.